Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dr. Johnston. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, well, since you guys are Christian thinkers. So anyway, I just want to leave that question. I wanted to get your input on that. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you. God bless that's my question. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Hey there, welcome to the program. This is Jeremiah Johnston, and I am delighted to have you joining us for another program where we answer your unanswered questions about the faith. Now, I have received thousands of questions through either our live Christian Thinker Society events or the emails that you have sent me through our web system at askjjj.com. And friends, I receive so many messages from individuals who want to know why God is not answering their prayers. Uh, They wonder if God's really there. Why isn't God answering me? Why isn't God answering my prayers? Well, today we are dedicating the entire broadcast to why God doesn't answer your prayers. Um, And guess what? You might be surprised by my answer um, to that question. I've had a lot of fun studying this. Um, And friends, by the way, if you're just joining us for the very first time, this program, the content is dictated by all those questions that we receive from individuals, Christians. Sometimes these questions are not really discussed in their Bible studies or their churches or or maybe we just don't have enough time to discuss them in the context of a worship service. The great thing about this broadcast is we actually roll our sleeves up and dig into what does the Word of God have to say about these difficult, trending, unanswered questions. Well, um, I, I have done a lot of work in this area. I want you to know that. This is the number two most frequently asked question that I have been asked about the silence of God or the apparent silence of God or, hey, why doesn't God answer my prayers? And I've written about this extensively in my unanswered book and Bible study, but just because I wrote about it one day in my book and Bible study doesn't mean I haven't stopped thinking about it or haven't stopped developing my thoughts around the issue. In fact, um, that was really just a springboard for me. Um, a lot of these questions, the answers keep developing. And so um, I did a, a serious time of study over the last few weeks, really looking into what the Bible has to say about unanswered prayers. And can I give you some footnotes? I reference this later on in my message that I'll be sharing with you. Um, but I want to give you some footnotes. I made a phone call to LifeWay Christian Publishing, and I've, I've written three Bible studies for LifeWay, the world's largest Christian publisher. And I asked them to send me any Bible studies, any works that they have produced on the subject of unanswered prayer. And guess what the message was that I received back? They have not produced anything to date on the subject of unanswered prayer. Um, As I did further study, uh, because again, I've been asked this question a lot, there's a lot of material out there that gives eight to ten reasons in the Bible why prayers are limited or perhaps not heard, if you want to use that verbiage. Uh, But it just, it kind of stops there. What about the tension of the individuals that are walking with the Lord and yet they're still struggling because their prayers are, according to them, have not been answered in the way in which they thought they should have been answered. Well, that's what I wanted to study. And I just presented this message last weekend at a dynamic church called Grace Fellowship Church in Houston, Texas. And I want to play it for you because I had so much fun 
not only creating the message, by the way, you should never give a message that doesn't impact your own life first. That's just a little um, important, important hot take there for anyone who's out there as a Bible teacher. It made a, a huge impact on my own life. I had a lot of fun researching this. Did you know there's 651 prayers in the Bible? You'll, you'll learn more about that today in the message, in the teaching. Um, but I also had the opportunity to do something I haven't never done before <laughs> when I've spoken. Uh, I quoted a country music song <laughs> by Garth Brooks, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to go right to it. It's brand new, fresh, hot off the press. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Have your Bible out. In fact, I'm going to be talking so much scripture, but if you want to have it out to a specific place, you can go to Genesis chapter 50, grab something to write with, Why God Doesn't Answer My Prayers. Right now, here it comes. We're in the series called Questions I'd Like to Ask God. Today is Unanswered Prayer, and I was just thinking about my life. Um, so, I, my, many of you know my father passed away uh, about three weeks ago, and, uh, and I'm still wrestling with that. And I, I cracked open my prayer journal um, this week, and, and I noted back to the day before my dad died, and I noticed a prayer that I prayed the night before at 7 p.m., The night before my dad died at 7 p.m., I I prayed, Lord, please heal my father or take him home. (laughs) And I'd forgotten that I prayed that. And um, so it's not how I pictured things going, uh, but that's the realm of prayer. So prayer is mysterious and it's fascinating. And uh, we've fallen in love, absolutely fallen in love with Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, He came uh, to the rescue after my dad died, and we've fallen in love with him. He wrote the book on unanswered questions. He has a radio talk show host that's all about unanswered questions. Who knew that he was in our neighborhood? And uh, and so, uh, brother, I'm just uh, awesome to minister with you in the kingdom of God. Would you welcome with me Dr. Jeremiah Johnson? Well, Pastor Jim, I do want to just thank you so much and Grace Fellowship for welcoming me back. Um, I don't know if you're going to love us after our triplets are in the nursery today, though, so I do ask for grace. Uh, This is, without a doubt today, the number two most frequently asked question that we have been asked. I mentioned, for those of you who may not have joined us two weeks ago, I have received 30,000 text messaged questions since we started doing live events at Christian Thinker Society almost 10 years ago now. And my number two question, I actually speak about it in the unanswered book in Bible study, is the silence of God, or what I said, God on mute. Do you feel like God uh, is perhaps giving you the silent treatment? And this is, without a doubt, the second most, most frequently asked question. doesn't matter the denomination. So I know many of us have struggled with this concept. You might refer to it as unanswered prayer or God seeming silent in my life. How do we answer that? In fact, what does the Bible have to say about the silence of God? So here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to tell you what I think. We're going to get do a deep dive into the deep end of the pool of God's Word this morning. So I hope you came ready for a sermon today. If you want a self-help talk, there's a lot of places you can get in your car and go down the street for. Uh, a sermon is a word from the Lord. And I've had five years now to look deeply into this question, but it's amazing in the last three days in my study uh, what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me about this most important question. So Bible students, grab your Bible, uh, grab something to write with. You're going to want to take notes, and the church has graciously included a wonderful outline, so hopefully you can go teach this to someone else as well. 
Um, and finally, I want you to take your Bible to Genesis chapter 50, but I want to give you a word of warning. This message is full of Bible, so you might want to listen to it again. It's going to be full of scriptural citations, so buckle your seatbelt uh, and stay with me. There are 651 recorded prayers from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, the first one actually is in the time of Noah, and then men began to call on the name of the Lord. The final prayer in the book of Revelation is, come, Lord Jesus, come, Maranatha. And I am convinced that one of the reasons that prayers are so ineffective today is that we do not pray the Bible way. Do you know we have a lot of prayers that sound a lot like uh, superstition? Gimme, 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 God. Gimme, 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 God. Or like a concierge treatment. Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. And we do not pray the scriptural way. Did you know the greatest way to learn to pray is to open the Bible to any one of these 651 recorded prayers in the Bible, and you simply pray those words back to God? Friends, I think of Corey Ten Boom, and I have a slide for Corey. What a powerful testimony. She was so powerful in her spiritual life. She had such control of the Word of God in her life. And in her own private prayer, it was her practice that she would stop in the middle of prayer. She would turn to pages in her Bible, and she would say, she would hold up her Bible and say, Here, Lord, read it yourself. Here, Lord, read it yourself. You've promised me this. And I'm standing on your promise. You know what? I think we need more prayer, prayer, praying like Corey Tinboom, don't you? Here, Lord, read it yourself. There are, of course, as I mentioned last time I was here, 7,487 promises that you can stand on in prayer. One of the unique things, though, is 28% of the Psalms, and by the way, how many verses are there in the Psalter, Bible students? 2,461 verses in the Psalms. And Bible students, remember what Jesus quoted from. What book of the Hebrew Bible did Jesus quote from for more than any other? The book of Psalms. Psalms is chocked full of prayers, and yet I find it fascinating to, deep, to start leaning into Pastor Jim's introduction 28% of the prayers of the, of the book of Psalms are Psalms of lament. And I'll come back to that later in my message. So 28% or 60 chapters in the book of Psalms are lament prayers. Now, unfortunately, I, 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 am the, I, I write books and Bible studies for the world's largest Christian publisher, Lifeway Christian Resources. And there is actually, and I knew this going into it, but I wanted to check this week so I, I could have integrity with reporting to you. Do you know that at the world's largest Christian publisher, they have nothing on the subject of unanswered prayer, what I'm teaching you about this morning? Precious little to nothing. And in fact, if you open books on prayer, which there are many, um, they will stop at about one-third of my message for you today. They will give you the seven or eight scriptural reasons why prayers go unanswered in their terminology, and then it stops right there. Uh, but we're going to go quickly through that part of my message, and then I'm going to go in, like I said, to the deep end of the pool, and we're going to look together as Bible students through those tense moments. If you're meeting the prerequisites of prayer, 
Uh, why is your prayer still not being answered? Those are the difficult, delicious questions that we're going to dive into this morning. Um, I often think of the silence of God in this way. Many Christians are here today, and we feel like God has unfriended us, if we just got really honest. We feel like God has unfollowed us. We feel like our prayers don't hit the ceiling, and we immediately think that there must be some sin in my life. I'm a second-rate, second-tier Christian, and there must be some reason the Lord isn't hearing me. And it can be a big stumbling block. And my heart goes out to many today who almost feel hopeless sometimes in prayer. And I often think of, and I'm going to begin with the book of John chapter 9. Do you remember when the disciples came to Jesus? These are Jesus' disciples. They bring the boy who was born blind to Jesus. And do you remember what the disciples say? Master, teacher, rabbi, who sinned, this boy or his parents, that he was born blind? And do you remember how Jesus responded? Oh, neither. Neither sin, but that the power of God could be made manifest among us. Friends, God always knows what he's doing. Uh, But the Bible does tell us very specifically, and this is where we need to be careful Bible students, there are eight reasons why prayers are not answered in the way we hope that they would be answered. We're going to go through these quickly. Number one, why, why do you sense or why do you perceive that prayers are not answered? Number one, when we have unconfessed sin in our life. Psalm 66, 18, the Psalter says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God cannot hear me. Let me encourage you, as if we were having a Bible study in my home right now, anytime we open the Word of God, either corporately or individually, we should always have a time of personal confession to God, where we invoke that wonderful promise, like Corey Ten Boom said, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, homo legeo in Greek, if I name my sins to God, he will forgive me of my sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. So I never, if you're asking your teacher this morning, I don't ever go into Bible study or prayer without a time of confession. Because guess what the book of Isaiah says? My righteousness is as filthy rags before Almighty God. And can I just add a little, I want to come up with a ninth reason from your speaker Jeremiah this morning. I believe that prayers are not heard because I hear far too many prayers today that are not prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. When we pray, we do not pray because we are righteous or because we are holy or because we have theological education or degrees or because we did something that God should pat us on the back. No, we pray, friends, in the name of Jesus Christ. That is what we sang about in worship this morning. He is our cornerstone. He is the only reason that we have standing before God. And so when you pray, if you pray at work, if you pray with a friend at lunch, if you pray over a family member, pray in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. We should pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Quickly, number two, a lack of faith is another reason the Bible says that prayers are not heard. Be anxious for nothing, uh, Paul said, but in how many things? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Friends, when we commit a problem to God in prayer, we must trust God for his deliverance, and we must leave it there. But so many of us, we don't do everything by prayer. This is one of the most violated commands in the New Testament about prayer, in everything in prayer. And then when you go home today, you can read James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, because it's the flip side of the coin. 
Those of us who pray doubting, James, brother of Jesus, and by the way, the book of James is nothing more than a commentary on brother Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7. James says, when you pray doubting, when you pray with a lack of faith, you're like the waves of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Number three, wrong motives. James chapter four again. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. When we pray in the name of Jesus, and I teach about this when I teach uh, the book of Hebrews, I come into divine alignment with God. So many Christians, by the way, are out of divine alignment. I bring my life into alignment with God's plan for me, with God's will for me, and I pray according to his will in the name of Jesus within divine alignment. My will is synced up with the will of God. And I cannot know the will of God if I'm not in the word of God. I cannot be in divine alignment if I'm not praying. James 4.3 says wrong motives. Of course, pride and selfishness is a significant hindrance, probably the most significant hindrance in prayer. And I would just say this as somebody who's been in ministry, I personally believe arrogance, pride is the main cause of failure, not only in prayer, but in the spiritual life in general. You know, God, I've got this. You know, I really don't need to pray about this, Lord. You know, you can keep on the bench on this one. I, I'm good. I've, I've, got, I've got this, God. You know, we wouldn't say that. It sounds so idolatrous, but that's the way many of us live. I love James 4, 6, which quotes Proverbs three thirty four. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. I think of Job 35. Wow, what a great book Job is for this topic this morning. There they cry out, verses 12 and 13, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to an empty cry, nor will the Almighty regard it, the prayer of pride. The believer that assumes your activities and priorities when we assume these take precedence over spending time before the throne of grace has reached the height of self-centered arrogance. You know, one of the secrets of the ministry of Christian Thinkers Society, I have an individual, a prayer warrior in my life. Do you? I have a prayer warrior who will ask me, Jeremiah, what time will you be teaching? What time, I know the time the service starts, but what time will you be preaching so I can be praying for you? And it doesn't matter what city I'm in, it doesn't matter what forum, however hostile it may be, there's someone in my life who's praying for me. And friends, we talk a lot about the different ministries and offices that we can hold in the church, the worship ministry, teaching the word. Do you know one of the finest ministries you can pray for today is to have the ministry of full-time prayer? The greatest, prayer, the greatest leaders of this church, when I look out at this wonderful room this morning, are the prayer warriors, the people that are lifting up this, this, this house of worship and prayer to God. And I, can I just share with you one thing that's been such a blessing to me? And I, I hope you don't mind me being, I feel so at home in this church. Um, I have had the opportunity to preach in many churches of all stripes, denominations, every, every, every kind of church you can imagine, and this is the first church in the history of my career that has had me come to the altar and pray over me at the altar before I preach. Can I tell you, I got home last Sunday, and I was so excited, I had to tell Audrey in the commercials of the Chiefs game, I had to tell her, <laughs> I had to tell her, Audrey, it was so powerful. They brought me to the altar, 
and they prayed over me. I've never had that experience. It was a blessing. I know this is a church that prays. But friends, one of the most dangerous places we can get is pride. Amen. Judges 16.20, if you were to ask me, Jeremiah, what do you think is the most cryptic passage in the Bible? Well, in the Old Testament, I would point you to Judges 16.20. After a lifetime of pride, Samson calls on the Lord. And it says in verse 16.20, but he, Samson, did not know the Lord had left him. Pride can be so blinding, it can distract us. Um, A lack of compassion, the Bible says, is another scriptural reason that our prayers are not heard. Proverbs 21, 13, he who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and go unanswered. Lack of marriage and family unity. Um, This is the one that is never taught very much when you talk about unanswered prayer. I think because it's so convicting in all of our lives. You know the quickest way for you to short circuit your prayer life? is for you to not have unity in your marriage, ladies and gentlemen. And I want to speak to every man here. You are the spiritual leader of your home. You are the pastor of your home. And it is up to us to lead spiritually, to love God with our heart, soul, and mind. And we do that first and foremost at our marriage. I have a testimony. I've been married. We're celebrating in uh, less than two weeks, 15 years of marriage. Audrey and I dated for three and a half years, and I said, honey, I should have married you long before that. She said, well, I was 20 when you married me, honey. And Audrey and I have a thing, and it's another secret to, I believe, our ministry and our life. Since the very first date when I picked up my wife, I looked at her, we ended our date, and I said, can we pray together? And I can count on fewer than 10 fingers the amount of nights in 15 years, really 18, that I've gone to bed without praying out, out loud with my wife. Now, friends, now when I pray, she falls asleep in bed. You can ask her about that. But we do pray together every night, and she prays over me. She's a prayer warrior. If you're not praying together as a husband and wife here today, you're missing the greatest intimacy you can have. And you just pray over each other. You don't need to pray in King James, Shakespearean English, although it's beautiful. Pray. You know, I'll often call Audrey. I have a decision to make. And we won't even talk. She'll just start praying on the phone. She'll text me prayers. What a powerful witness that is for Christ, not only to our children, but what a protection that is in our family. You know, Audrey and I learned to pray in unique and awkward ways as well. Uh, When we were in seminary, we had a really interesting seminary professor. And seminary professors can be very weird, okay? And they took our seminary professor took us to Starbucks, our group, and he said, we're going to pray for each other. And I thought, well, this is interesting. And he, I noticed he picked the busiest section of Starbucks. You know where everybody stands in line for their drink? We had that table. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to maintain eye contact. We're not going to bow our head. We're not going to close our eyes. And we're going to pray for each other without breaking eye contact. By the way, have you ever done that? It's a very awkward thing to do, to just not break eye contact with someone when you pray. And yet... It was a beautiful lesson of how prayer should be. We should be able to pray for each other, even in Starbucks, without all of the glitz of prayer, and just look at each other and pray over each other like we're having a conversation. It was a beautiful testimony. Uh, Lack of obedience, 1 John 3.22, ineffective prayer is directly connected to failure to obey Bible doctrine in our life. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And when I fail to live in the will of God, 
my prayers will be hindered. And then I do an entire message on this, but lack of the filling of the Holy Spirit is significant. When I get in divine alignment, when I come to prayer before God, I confess my sin, and then I am filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And Ephesians 5 says, be being filled. It's something that happens again and again in the Christian life. The Holy Spirit fills me and leads me. And this is why confession must precede prayer. And friends, Ephesians 6.18, there is no such thing. I want to make this very clear uh, now. So those are the eight reasons why prayers are eight or nine, why prayers are hindered. But I do want to say something now to get to the deep end of the pool. There is, such, there is no such thing as unanswered prayer. Did you hear what I just said? There is no such thing as unanswered prayer, just different answers. Just different answers. Point number two in our message is that God always knows what he's doing. And so let us presume for a moment that you have met the prerequisites of prayer in your life. You're able to check the boxes, and yet you're still asking the Lord, why do you seem silent in my life? Well, I love the passage from Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 7. Jesus said, what I'm doing you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. You know, I think of, again, we're doing Bible study right now. There's so many places we could go. I think of Judges chapter 6 when there's a Christophany, Jesus Christ appears to Gideon behind the threshing floor, and the angel of the Lord is speaking to Jesus or to, to Gideon, which would be Jesus, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And Gideon responds. He interrupts the Lord. Pardon me, Lord, if you're with me, why are all these bad things happening to us right now? Are some of you there right now, Judges chapter 6? God, excuse me, thanks for showing up, but if you're with me, why are all these things happening right now? And you know, he, he missed the point entirely in that conversation in Judges chapter 6. He insulted the Lord with cliches we, we, I use often today. How could God let this happen in my life? Why did God not help me the way I thought he would in this situation? And yet, what's powerful about the story of Gideon, um, I talk about this in the Bible study, the Lord always uses the helpless, the hopeless, and the useless. Amen? And he did that for Gideon. Judges 6. Reminds me theologically that God is perfect and he acts accordingly with his character in our life. Number three, often God's answers are no for the bigger yes in my life. And there are so many powerful scriptural examples. God often answers no for the bigger yes in my life. Now, <laughs> I never thought that I would go to a country music song while teaching God's word, but unfortunately or fortunately, whichever, whatever your perspective may be, it would seem that Garth Brooks probably has better theology than some Christians have when it comes to prayer. You remember Garth Brooks' famous song, Unanswered Prayer? released in 1991 at top of the charts for 30 weeks. Do you remember the lyrics of it? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. It's a lot of fun to think about the great theology of those lyrics. And I'm gonna give you some scriptural examples of Garth Brooks' point of those lyrics. God's no to our ideas when we pray. And remember, there are no such thing as unanswered prayer, just different answers. It's always a yes to God's perfect will for my life. 
God's no is always a yes to his perfect will for my life. The greatest answered prayer, uh, excuse me, the greatest answered prayer in the New Testament, think with me, Bible students, the greatest answered prayer comes in Matthew chapter 26. Do you remember Jesus is so overcome in the Garden of Gethsemane, he collapses. Remember he said a, a chapter earlier, do you drink the cup that I'm drinking? The cup of God's wrath. He knew what it entailed. He collapses and he said, Lord, if you would take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will. Again, in Matthew 26, Jesus prays, God, would you take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Again, verse 39, verse 42. And what was God's answer to Jesus' request, ladies and gentlemen? It was no for the bigger yes of the salvation of humanity. Do you see how sometimes God's up to something so much bigger in my life when he says no to a prayer? I may be collapsing under a burden. I may not think I can do it anymore. I, might, I see myself and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and yet God says no for the bigger yes in my life. Praise God that God said no. And I think that answer no was the greatest answered prayer in all of the Bible because it was, it paved the way for your and my salvation. God's answer prayer, answers prayer, and I want to make this very clear, what I've seen studying this notion of the silence of God in his own perfect time, in his own way, and sometimes, friends, God's answers are not at all what we would expect. We're not God. And it's idolatry for us to think that we know better than God. God's silence, though, for us, as I've studied this question for five years, is real. It's biblical. It's personal. It's common. And are you ready for this? God's silence in your life and mine is not always a bad thing. Oh, let me give you another character you may recognize. How about St. Paul, the apostle? Paul is writing the book of Romans, and he says three different times in, in the book of Romans, and he emphasizes in the first chapter especially, I had prayed to come to you, to the churches of Rome, but I was hindered, verse 13. And do you know what I think as an exegete, as someone who studies the New Testament? We never would have had the book of Romans if God would have answered Paul's prayer so he could go to Rome. Think about it. Read the book of Acts. He goes to Rome in a way that he never thought he would get there. He's in prison. He appeals to Caesar. But again and again, when he is writing the book of Romans from Corinth to the leaders of the church of Rome, he keeps saying, time and again, I sought the Lord. I wanted to see you, but God, hindered, God I was hindered. And yet I think, that, and of course, the book of Romans, there would be no reformation. Christianity would look utterly different if the book of Romans had never been written. But we can go a step further. There are other prayers of St. Paul that are not answered the way he thought they would be answered in the New Testament. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. This is powerful. Paul writes, he says, I had a messenger of Satan impacted by life. In our English, we translated a thorn in the flesh. Are you familiar with that passage in 2 Corinthians 7, or 12, verse 7 through 9? Three times I pleaded from the Lord to take the sklopos in Greek, our Greek, our, and by the way, it's a Bible translation. In Greek, do you know what it is? Sklopos, a stake. 
a stake that one would be impaled on. Paul had something in his life where he physically felt impaled. He calls it a messenger from Satan. And he said, three times I pleaded from the Lord to take it from me. Verse 8, verse 9, but the Holy Spirit says to me, my grace is sufficient in your weakness. And Paul was able to, in a very sarcastic way, poke fun at the, quote, super apostles who say, because they're so blessed, they're super apostles. Paul said, look at my weaknesses, and yet God uses me for his glory. His grace is sufficient for me today. So, friend, I want to ask you, if Jesus had a prayer that God said no for a bigger yes, if Paul had prayers where God said no for a bigger yes, what should I expect in my life theologically? And so the point, it comes down to, can I trust God when he's answering my prayer in a different way than what I anticipated? That's really what it comes down to, trust. Saul, another great example of someone who missed God. And I hope you're hearing me. I've, I've come here so you don't miss God this morning. It says in 1 Samuel 15, 26, that God rejected Saul for his pride. He, he felt cut off. Saul felt like he was drowning in the silence of God. And instead of being faithful in that place, it actually says that Saul inquired of the Lord. The Lord did not answer him. And what does Saul do? He goes to the witch of Endor. He has a paranormal experience instead of waiting on God. You know, it's interesting. So often we cut short a blessing in our life because we preempt God's work in our life through our timing instead of his timing. And it really comes down to are you going to trust God to be God in your life? Are you going to trust him to answer that prayer? David is a great, if you want to do another Bible study, read 1 Samuel and just compare David waiting on God in his silence with Saul. David is crowned anointed king of Israel. He's not crowned. He's crowned in 1 Samuel 16. He is not actually, he doesn't take the crown for 15 years. You get to the end of 1 Samuel chapter 30. And the Amalekites have taken the wives of the, David's mighty men, their children. But what does it say? I love it. First Samuel 30, verse 6. Did he consult a medium when he thought God had abandoned him? But David strengthened himself. Psalm 30, verse 6. In the Lord his God. He trusted the Lord his God. And yet even David has an unanswered prayer in 2 Samuel where he asks the Lord. He wants to build a house for God. That's what he wrote about in the Psalms, and God said, no, I've appointed your son, my servant. I'm saying no to you for the bigger yes of Solomon. And friends, we could keep doing comparison after comparison. If you feel God's silent in your life this morning, you are not a second-rate, second-tier Christian. You are in good company. If you go study Genesis 12 through 18... Abraham and Sarah are promised a child. Abram is a pagan. He is an Ur of the Chaldeans, and God says, follow me. And because of our historical distance, because we are not familiar with that world, when Abram turns his back on his livelihood, on his economy, he was a wealthy man, he follows God 1,500 miles away to this area for which God had called him to go. In blind, this is why Abram is looked at again and again as a picture of faith. James says he's the friend of God. Uh, he is literally an example of faith, and yet he gets to this place, and God keeps prom- promising Abram and Sarah a child. They go through 24 years of God's silence. God is, or excuse me, Abram is 75 years of age when he's promised a child. They go through a period of God's silence of 10 years, Genesis 12 to 16. 
And then kind of like Saul in a way, they say, you know what? Uh, and keep in mind, friends, we're talking about the messianic line of Jesus through Abraham. This is heavyweight stuff. And what, does, what do they do? Sarah says, take my maidservant, Hagar. They tried to do human intervention when only God can intervene, and it turned into a mess. You know the rest of that story. Ishtar, we see Hagar. Hagar. And friends, don't short-circuit a blessing in your life by a lack of trust. Hang on just a little longer. Trust God in your life that his no is for a bigger yes. Have hope in God. Trust him. And then there's a period of 13 more years of God's silence. Genesis 17 and 18, I love this. The angel of the Lord appears before Abraham and Sarah and said, go out, look at the stars of heaven. And friends, they've been waiting for 25 years. And don't you love that the Bible does not shield us from people's humanity? They began laughing at the angels of the Lord. <laughs> We're going to have a kid. I'm 100. <laughs> and do you remember what the angel of the Lord says? You will have a son, and you will name him in Hebrew, Yitzhak, Isaac. Do you know what it means? Laughter. Every time you call your son, you're going to remember you laughed at God. Isn't God awesome? Isn't it a great, great testimony? Wait on God. Often he says, wait, trust. Friends, there's, I haven't even gotten to our passage, Genesis 50. When you think of the life of Joseph, Joseph, all he does is follow God, and yet in 37, chapter 37, he's sold in a human trafficking incident. In Genesis 39, falsely accused by Potiphar in Potiphar's house. Genesis 40, another cryptic passage, the end of chapter 40, forgotten in an Egyptian prison. We know from the chronology, Joseph is in prison for 13 years, unrighteously, without cause. And yet we get to the end. You know the story of Joseph. He's able, at the end of chapter 50, he actually has two, two children, two sons. In Genesis 41, 51, and 52, I love this. He named his first son Manasseh because God has caused me to forget all of my past. And he named his second son Ephraim. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. God raises him up to essentially the vice chancellor of Egypt. God blessed Joseph to forget all of his hardships. And he was able to look at his brothers with all the scars. And, you know, we do have spiritual scars on our life, don't we? And he said, you know what? Genesis 50, you meant it for evil. God turned it for good, for his glory. So my, my message to myself this week preparing this is, God, can I trust you? Will I trust you? And you know, that's such a good question because God says, wait. He says, trust. He says, focus on who I am. Keep the faith. Do you remember when Job, the most righteous man there ever was before Jesus loses everything and Job wants an answer from God? God will not give it. He responds and he says, Job, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I caused rain to fall from the sky? Trust who I am, my nature, my essence, my eternal love, my chesed love. My love for you is undying because I cannot fail. And yet, you have a choice to make, don't you? John chapter 6, verses 66 to 69 Peter answered the Lord when Jesus, remember Jesus taught, I, you know, we don't often hear John 6 taught this way. Jesus was teaching, and the reaction was people left. 
And I could give you an entire background that we don't have time for of why they left, but they wanted a conquering Messiah, not a Messiah who would die. They didn't want the Jesus kingdom, the Jesus program, the way Jesus was bringing it about. They wanted someone who would vanquish a corrupt priesthood, vanquish the Roman occupiers. And it says at verse 66 that many left Jesus. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? And friends, I take absolute peace and Peter's respond, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where do we turn? Are you going to become an atheist, friends, because you have a problem in your life? In atheism, your life has no value. You're a two-legged animal. You're an accident. You're not, no one cares about you. There's nothing after this life. You're going to become a naturalist? You're going to become a Buddhist where you believe that, that life is all about suffering and the body is wicked and just something to be thrown off so you can go to a nirvana? Are you going to become a Muslim where there's no savior in that religion? God, it barely shows up at heaven. What, what are you going to do? I'm going to stand with Jesus Christ, aren't you? No matter what, I want to say with Job, and I want to be able to say, even though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust in him. This is a hard teaching this morning. It's not an easy sermon to give. It's not an easy question to ask, but it deserves a salty answer. The final thought is, Friends, when you are filled with God's spirit, when you are trusting him, never doubt that whenever and wherever you bow your head to pray, you are heard and the power of God is made available to you. I just want to close with this final thought for you. I have been reading Christian biographies to our children and I'm preparing to read them the biography of Amy Carmichael, the wonderful missionary to India Amy, has, uh, Amy is from Northern Ireland, and she always wanted Irish blue eyes. Our son, Justin, has beautiful Irish blue eyes. And she would wake up every morning as a child because her mom taught her to pray, and she would ask God to change her eye color from blue, or excuse me, from brown to blue. She wanted blue eyes like all of her friends in Ireland. Um, and God, of course, when she woke up the next morning, her eyes were still brown, she went to hear Hudson Taylor speak at the end of the 19th century, and she felt called to ministry, so she tried to go to China, but she was so frail, and Japan didn't work out. And in 1897, she goes to India on mission, and she never returns for 56 years as a missionary, never took a furlough. Amy Carmichael spread the gospel, but make no mistake, she was also a kidnapper. It was her, her joy to rescue little girls who were enslaved in temple prostitution in the Hindu religion. And why was she able to do that? She would take coffee, ground coffee beans, she would rub them on her face, and she was able to enter those temple establishments because she had brown eyes. And her cause was so majestic that even the Queen of England donated to her ministry and it said by the end of 56 years, she had saved well over 1,000 girls from temple prostitution. She made this statement in her, in her biography, so glad God didn't answer my prayer and change my eye color from brown to blue. Will you bow your heads and pray? Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for how your word has been speaking to our hearts. And Lord, we pray first and foremost, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ personally, 
that you would make that step today. You may have religion or spirituality or may know some Bible verses, but you may not know Christ. Let me lead you to Jesus Christ this morning. You can do that right where you're seated by just saying, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me for raising from the dead three days later. And right now, by faith, I place my trust in you, Jesus, for my forgiveness, for my eternal life in heaven. In Jesus' name. Wow, praise God for that message. I'm so excited about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now through it and what he said to me. I have so enjoyed the deep dive on talking about this difficult question about unanswered prayer. Will you do me a favor? Will you send this message, today's broadcast, to somebody who, you know, gosh, you know everybody has this question about prayer. We all want to know how we can communicate with God better. The Lord's given us his word. That's how he communicates to us. But he's given us prayer. That's how we communicate to the Lord. And, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know what the response was going to be to the message. And I'm delighted to say, by God's grace, there was a tremendous response. Many people came forward in the live event um, and just started praying. Isn't that beautiful? It was beautiful to see people kneeling across the altar from the left side to the right side of the platform, just praying. Uh, God was dealing with all of our hearts. But I received this fabulous message on our Christian Thinker Society Facebook page. And by the way, I'd encourage you to like our Facebook page. We have all kinds of resources up there. Right now I've got a free thing where uh, two pages on how to interpret the Bible and several pages, all of my recommended commentaries on the New Testament. These are the cool resources that we give away on our Facebook page. But listen to this from Susan. I'll just share her first name. Jeremiah, thank you so much for speaking today at the church. From your message, I was able to go home and cry and confess to my husband of 40 years. There's been a definite lack of unity in our marriage, resulting in anger and frustration on my part. I've prayed in Jesus' name for months, but realized today that I lacked each of those attributes on your list. Yes, God always knows what he's doing. Thank you for your obedience to him. God bless you and your family in big ways. Sue, thank you so much for sending us that message. I'm delighted that you have greater unity with your husband, and as a result, your prayers are powerful. So I am rooting for you, Susan. Friends, thank you so much for all of your comments, questions, feedback that you submit to us at Christian Thinker Society. We're going to be back next time answering your unanswered questions. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.